1: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered.
2: Hello and welcome along. It is We Are Going Up episode 119. I'm Mark Crossley. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello, Mark. Hello, David. David and Carl is here. Hello, Mark. Um, and I thought I'd start with... Um,
3: tell us about your five-a-side games being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A wonderful uh, innovation from Power League Watford... Um, they have. There's a camera. The, f- the forefront like a, of like a uh, CCTV security technology. camera in the corner of the pitch. Um, <laughs> sure, is it just for actually, security reasons? Actually, doubles up as it um, just records the game and they and they upload it to YouTube straight after. So when you're home, they send you a little email and then you can watch your whole game back and analyze you, yourself. Well, you say it was, it was quite helpful actually because even at five-a-side level, you see little things that you do and you, things you could do better. But the thing that strikes you immediately as soon as you watch it. I mean, whenever you see yourself playing football and you play at such a pathetically low level as, as, as I do, is just how staggeringly slow the game is. <laughs> when you're playing and you're running around that five-a-side pitch, in your head, you think, I am sprinting. I am running down this touchline like Gareth Bale. At full pelt and then you look and after the game I'm just standing still and uh, you got hit in the face did you? I did go absolutely <laughs> smacked in the face by a, a teammate's shot right in the mouth and on the nose full on if, if this camera was ultra HD and could pause it would be like that famous uh, Andy Griffin not Andy Griffin what's the other uh, Andy O'Brien shot you know the one where yeah. his nose completely yeah, yeah, goes yeah. back into his head do we have Martin Taylor and Alan Smith on commentary? That's not what, yet that's what I want to know so I think, it's I think they might need to up the match feed a little bit more can we, can we tweet the up not playing more than £6 a game (laughs) we'll
2: tweet the link to that Uh, coming up later in the show uh, this week we're going to be looking back on another uh, packed few days in the Football League and we'll be looking forward to this weekend when uh, three Football League sides will attempt to reach the hallowed turf of Wembley and an FA Cup semi-final one man who has been to a staggering 13 FA Cup ties already this season starting way back on Saturday August 17th in the extra preliminary round is Coventry fan Mark Lloyd a member of Three Guys One Cup an epic FA Cup up quest to put the romanticism and the fun back into Saturday afternoons. Mark will be on later to tell us about the journey, all the teams he's seen, and to look forward to the game he'll be at this Sunday, Sheffield United against Charlton at Bramall Lane. Uh, But first, we're going to start the show this week by focusing on Plymouth Argyle. As you can see from the title of the show, the Pilgrims are on a little bit of a playoff push. John Sheridan's side won 5-0 against Morecambe at Home Park on Saturday to make it three straight wins and 11 goals scored uh, since that home defeat to York, uh, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the show they're now just two points below Southend in 8th place and are dreaming of a potential promotion if they can finish the season strongly all this only a couple of years after the club came uh, close to financial meltdown as we talked about many times on this show one man who follows Plymouth every week is Chris Errington Chris is the chief football writer for the Plymouth Herald and he was there at the game on Saturday we're pleased to say Chris is on the line right now Chris a 5-0 win against Morecambe was it as convincing as the scoreline would suggest
4: um, it probably was uh, in the end it was, it was 2-0 at half time and, and Argyle were well in control Morecambe had a little bit of possession at the start of the second half and um, maybe if they'd had a bit more of a cutting edge about their play they might have been able to get their way back into it but Argyle did finish the game very strongly three goals in the last 15 minutes good value for the victory and uh, I did see um, Jim Bentley the, the Morecambe manager afterwards and he was very complimentary about the way Argyle had played and um, didn't really have too many complaints about the scoreline, I don't think.
3: Obviously, this follows on from a fantastic win last week against Fleetwood, who are one of the teams right up there at the top end of the division. A uh, week before that, he beat Dagenham and Redbridge away from home, but the week before that, he got battered at Home Park, 4 0 by York. So, what's happened really in the last few weeks to provoke this uh, spectacular turnaround?
4: Well, I suppose that's the beauty of football, though, isn't it? You know, how do you go from losing 4 0 at home to York to. Uh, winning 4-0 at Fleetwood um, a few days later. It's amazing, isn't it? The York game um, was a bit of a perfect storm um, for Argyle. They had um, Neil Trotman sent off for denying a goal-scoring opportunity. York scored the resulting penalty and took the lead in the 12th minute. And and Argyle were 10 men for the rest of the game. And York scored a couple of goals late on, a bit like Argyle did against um, uh, Morecambe on Saturday. And... You could argue that 4 was a little bit flattering and the circumstances were against them. But nevertheless, it was a heavy defeat. And uh, I remember after that game, everyone at home park was very depressed and demoralised and looking towards the bottom of the table. Uh, they went to Dagenham the following Saturday, needed a reaction John Sheridan, the manager, said he was confident of a reaction and he, he got just that. He made four changes, changed the formation, which has been the big difference, I think, in the last few games. They went to a 3-5-2 formation instead of playing a, a normal 4-4-2. They ground out a 2-1 win against Dagenham. It wasn't particularly pretty, but it was a good, effective win, at a, um, a difficult ground to go to. And then up at Fleetwood, they played the same formation and uh, and they played the best football I've seen an Argyle team play for for a long, long time. They played some really good football, were dangerous on the counter-attack, scored the four goals, and I think they just took so much confidence from that, and then they scored an early goal on Saturday, and away they went.
1: Chris, what sort of squad has John Sheridan got to work with at the moment? Those of us who don't see them week in, week out, will still be fully aware of the troubles the uh, team have had over the recent years. Has the squad become more settled now, and in turn has John Sheridan been able to bring in a start of play which is quite entertaining on the eye?
4: It's taken him a while, he came in in January 2013 and the job was to keep Argyle in the Football League and it was pretty much, you know, however you could achieve that, that was, it didn't really matter as long as that was achieved um, and he, he did that. He brought in, I think it was about eight or nine players in the summer and tried to put his own mark on the team and, and to get them playing the way that he would want. I suppose it wasn't totally surprising that they were a bit slow to adjust the new team, lots of new players. And the early part of the season, they did struggle. And, you know, they were mid-table, lower mid-table, and it didn't really look as though they were going anywhere. But they made a couple of decent signings in January just to sort of pep the squad up a bit. And um, things just seem to have clicked in the last you know, few weeks. It's it's amazing what confidence and a few goals does for a team. And, uh, you know, they'd struggled for goals all season. I think they've been the lowest scorers in League Two for most of the season. And that's why it's... So surprising and so pleasing that they've got the eleven in the last
2: three games. Well, looking at the table, I mean, for quite a considerable part of this season, the uh, the top seven was looking like a closed shot, really, because yeah. uh, mm. uh, Southend, who were at the bottom of that seven, were, were so far ahead of the pack. However, they've uh, not won in nine games now, and uh, there's a few teams, including Newport, have who've obviously got games in hand. Hartlepool, Plymouth, hot on their heels.
4: Yeah, yeah. Do you, here, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think?
2: Um, do you think Plymouth? You know, is it a realistic ambition now to get into the playoffs?
4: Well, you know, I don't want to tempt fate, but I mean, if you can go to Fleetwood and win 4-0 and play as well as they did, I, I don't see why not. Um, they're going to have to finish the season strongly, you know, make no mistake about that. They, you know, they're going to have to carry on playing like they have been, but they've hit their stride uh, at just the right time. And I think all football fans know that there's normally at least one team that gets in the playoff that sort of comes from nowhere, makes a good run. Gets in the playoff positions, and then when they do get there, then they're really dangerous, aren't they? Because they're used to winning, they're full of confidence, mm. and they've got that momentum. And, um, you know, John Sheridan, I, I've lost count of how many times he said it in recent weeks. You know, there's always one team that makes a late run, why can't it be us? And, and at the moment, you know, the last week, 10 days, you'd struggle to argue with that.
3: Uh, one of the real success stories of Plymouth's season so far has been the form of Reuben Reed. Mm. Who uh, has returned to the club after starting his uh, his career at Plymouth back in 2006? He's had 11 different clubs and various loan spells and permanent deals. Uh, Once scaling the heights right up the new, he joined West Brom in quite a high-profile transfer as kind of the high point of his career. But it never really kicked on for him at the uh, higher level. But he scored 16 goals in all comps this season, which is his best season for quite some time. So he seems to be settled uh, back down in the West Country.
4: Yeah, I think that's one part of it. Um, definitely that he's he's back in a, an area that he's familiar with. He's from Bristol, but you know, as you say, he started his career at Argyle. He was in the youth team, came up through the ranks. Tony Pulis was the one that gave him his debut for, for Argyle when he was 17, I think it was. He's always had lots of natural ability, but clearly managers, and more than one of them, have found it difficult to, to get the best out of him. And as you rightly say, 11 clubs, and uh, he's been here, there, and everywhere... John Sheridan does seem to have uh, found the knack of getting the best out of Ruben. He did have a loan spell uh, with Argyle at the end of last season and he only got two goals in 17, 18 games. And he played him regularly, but he wasn't exactly pulling up any trees. And At the start of this season, he came back on a season-long loan from Yeovil Town. And, um, I think it was up until middle of November time, he was on three goals and people were saying, "What well, he's playing every week and he's not scoring what's going on. Strikers are judged on goals, etc., etc. And then he, he got a hat-trick in an FA Cup first-round replay against Lincoln City. Argyle won it 5-0. And, um, again, I suppose it's that magic of confidence again. And uh, he's really not looked back since. And, uh, as you say, he's on 16. And he struck up an excellent partnership with Louis Alessandro, who was a, another summer signing. And he got two against his old club, Morecambe, on Saturday. And that's put him on 12. So there you go. Reid on 16, Alessandro on 12. 28 between them, you know, that makes all the difference.
3: I was going to ask about Alessandra. He has uh, another player that's played under John Sheridan before, yeah. uh, played for him, um, made his, his league debut uh, for Oldham Athletic when John Sheridan was in charge there, and hasn't really had a very, uh, till this season, similar to, to Reid really, hasn't really had the best time of it in terms of the, the goals, where the goals are concerned as, he, as he's a striker, but Sheridan clearly thinks he's got some potential and can get the best out of him. Yeah,
4: I mean, John Sheridan clearly. Likes going back to players he knows. You know, Ruben Reid's one, uh, Louis Alessandro's another, Neil Trotman, the centre-back, again, played for him before. He's one of these managers that likes working with players he knows. Um, yeah, Alessandro, I think, you know, his best previous season for goals was about eight or something like that. And, uh, you know, he's on 12 at the start of March. And, uh, you know, he made a bit of a slow start, like the team, but he's really kicked into some really good form and... Uh, you know the last couple of games if you'd seen him play against Fleetwood and Morecambe you'd say cool what a good player he is you know scoring goals creating goals being a real pest around the opposition center backs um yeah and he's come on really well it's um like i say you know the the two of them seem to have hit it off really well and uh you know, it, that's only been for the benefit of our guy.
2: Another player who's attracted a bit of attention is uh, Ben Perrington, mm-hmm. who is, uh, get this right, he's, uh, he's the nephew yeah. of Richard Hill who played in the England rugby team when they won the World Cup in 2003. Right. Yep. Uh, he's only 17, I believe, mm-hmm. um, but he's been linked to uh, to big things. Are, are you seeing the, the makings of a player that could go on to play a lot higher in the Football League?
4: He's done very well in the time he's been in the team. He's played about 12 games, made his debut on Boxing Day in a 3-2 win at Oxford United. Who at the time were were flying high in League Two and were really on a good form, and uh, he had an excellent debut, and he he stayed in the team pretty much ever since, up until the uh, the Dagenham game uh, a couple of weeks ago, when um, Matt Parsons, who was one of the the players that John Sheridan brought in in January, two two he brought in from Crystal Palace, Matt Parsons and Jason Banton, and uh, when he switched to the three-five-two formation. He, uh, he decided to go with Matt Parsons as a wing-back rather than Ben, who's more of an orthodox left-back sort of thing. So it wasn't anything that, that Ben had done. I just think Matt Parsons was a better fit for the three five two. and And Parsons has played the last three games and Ben barrington has been on the bench. But as, as you say, he's, he's only 17. I don't think he's 18 till the summertime. And, um, you know, Argyle, over the recent years, they've had some good young players come up through the ranks. Unfortunately, because of the problems the club have had, they've lost a lot of the... They're better players. I mean, the England under-19 squad has got um, Sam Gallagher, the Southampton striker, and Christian Walton, the Brighton uh, and the Hove Albion goalkeeper. Both were good young prospects at Argyle and, and were sold. And uh, Lloyd-Jones who's very highly rated at Liverpool, big centre-back. Again, he was another one that that's come up through the ranks and were sold uh, during Argyle's struggles and uh, Ben Parrington is just the latest one to come off that sort of uh, youth production line. Chris I did want
1: to ask you about that actually. Um, perhaps the over-reliance on youth, for obvious reasons perhaps, which could of course bring about negativity in terms of inexperience yeah. come the last quarter of a season when you're, you're doing so well. Have the squad been able to bring in some older people? I mean Ruben Reed has been around, around the mm-hmm. block once or twice but he's only 25.
4: Yeah. For example. He's a journeyman so, at 25. Yes, yeah,
1: which is a worrying state of affairs but are old older <laughs> the heads there which can help you know, calm these young players like Ben Burrington at this time of year
4: well I mean the, the, the last three games have been a great example of that uh, with um, Paul Watton uh, long time Argyle player captain, he's in his uh, second spell now, 36 years old um, although he'd probably tell he's 36 years young but 482 appearances for the club was at the club in the good times when Paul Starrett was a manager and they, they rose up from the bottom division up into the championship He has not really played very much at all this season, but he's come in for the last three games playing in a sort of holding role between the defence and the midfield. And you can just see his experience and his leadership out there. Very vocal on the pitch. Been there, done it, got the T-shirt. You know, reads the play well. A couple of people have almost likened it to having a manager out on the pitch sort of thing and the way he... He reads the games and uh, I I do think one of the reasons, and it's not just the only reason, but one of the reasons Argyle have done so well in the last three games is because they've got that that role model, that focal point in the team. And um, so, yes, I think he could have an important part to play in the rest of the season.
3: I wish to buy Paul Wotton on Championship Manager. (laughs) Excellent free kicks and penalties and really good good
4: shot. I've seen uh, all of Paul's career pretty much and... uh, I'll tell you what in his pomp when he could strike a ball yeah. like uh, as good as anyone I don't care who you're talking about uh, and anyone that's been to home park and seen Paul Watt and players if if Argyle get a free kick within about 45 yards shoot. the Devonport for shouting
3: shoot. <laughs> yeah. Chris I just wanted to ask um obviously it's going pretty well at the moment on the pitch but we can't um talk to you about speaking about things off the pitch really because in in the first sort of season where we did this podcast Plymouth were on quite a lot we were talking about Peter <laughs> Reid having to pay the electricity yeah, yeah. bill and yeah. you know and, and at some stage you know it really did look like there was a real danger of, of Plymouth Argyle you know ceasing, ceasing to exist yeah. at, at one stage you got they got that desperate but as is often the case the club was saved at the last minute and you know it seems to be a lot more stable now as Carl mentioned earlier on but what is the, the exact picture off the pitch now how how far have the club moved on from those desperate times?
4: Uh, they were desperate times. I mean, lots of clubs have ended up in administration, unfortunately. I think what made Argyle's unique or very different, as far as I'm aware, is that the players and the staff that worked at the club didn't get paid their wages. And that was really eye-opening, the sacrifices the players and the staff made. Because if they had effectively walked away, there would have been no Plymouth Argyle. It wouldn't have mattered, you know, what happened... Elsewhere, if the players and staff had just said, "Look, we've had enough. We're not, we're not going to do it anymore," there wouldn't have been a Plymouth Argyle anymore. So they take a lot of, um, you know, credit for that. They're, they're certainly not out of the um, real difficulties. They've obviously got to repay football creditors, so it's ex-players and things like that. So they're still paying off, you know, money owed to, to previous uh, employees. Um, you know, they they get good gates. You know, they're averaging seven thousand in League Two this season. But, you know, it's a bit um, difficult to to make ends meet. So they're better than they were, but they're not, you know, flushed by any stretch of the imagination. And probably like most clubs in the lower divisions, they're always looking to to try and get in as much money as they possibly can from all sorts of sources.
2: Uh, Chris, you're a man who's obviously watched quite a lot of League Two football uh, over the years, and this season in particular. Just out of interest, who do you think is the best side in in League Two? Rochdale. Okay. Rochdale, so No, I. We, we, you didn't we, want to hear that, did you, Mark? I support Berry, sorry <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> I do apologise. I
4: thought Berry were quite good as well.
2: Uh, Rochdale are in third, Scunthorpe yeah. second, Chesterfield yeah. first. Um, how do you see the, uh, the promotion running going, and how do you see Plymouth running? Because the next couple of games are quite important, because obviously, games in hand, or a game in hand, Bristol Rovers yeah. away and uh, Wickham away, two teams that are down the, the bottom end. Yeah,
4: um, I was really impressed with Rochdale when Argyle lost 3 0 up there uh, in January one of only two defeats since uh, the middle of December. I just like the way that Rochdale play their football. Um, Keith Hill, you know, it was quite an uncompromising centre-back, but he doesn't half like his team's playing good football. And I just think it just proves you can play good football in League 2 and be successful. He he did it before in his previous spell at Rochdale. As long as they keep um, Hogan switched on and, and everything's going well with him, he, he can score the goals for them. And... I, I, I was really impressed with them. I, I, I think you know, it would be good for football if, if, if Watchdale uh, went up and, and maybe even won the title. Argyle-wise, they've, um, they've got Bristol Rovers and uh, Wickham away coming up. Um, so those are, are two you know not easy games, but you know, games that they'd like to think they could get points from. And then I think the, the, the crunch period comes then where they've got two home games in four days, one against Scunthorpe United, and then one against Chesterfield four days later, so i.e. the top Oof. two at the moment. Um, be fascinating to see how they get on in those two games. If those two games went well, I think confidence would be soaring through the roof and, and who knows what could happen. If they have a little bit of sort of setback in those two games, you know then it'll be how they respond to that as to where they finish
2: in the season so uh, a few weeks ago we had uh, Chris Phillips come on to talk to us about Southend um, who were going great guns at that point they've not won a single game in their last nine games since so if it all goes wrong from this point it's my fault (laughs) (laughs) we're not taking any blame for it is what I'm saying (laughs) Uh, Chris enjoy the rest of the season thanks very much for uh, for coming on no problem Uh, that is uh, Chris Arrington chief football writer for the Plymouth Herald and now it is time for something a little bit different because uh, ahead of FA Cup quarter final weekend we are going to focus on the FA Cup with a man who's been to a tie every single round of the competition so far this season Just eight sides remain then in the world's most famous cup competition. The FA Cup uh, once again takes centre stage this weekend with three Football League sides still going strong and dreaming of glory. We've got Wigan Athletic, the holders, who are making a hell of a defence of this, although they do go to Manchester City on a Sunday afternoon in a repeat of last year's final. Before that, on Sunday lunchtime, it's the clash which confirms at least one Football League club will go to Wembley for a semi-final. Uh, Sheffield United against Charlton Athletic. Not really the. Time I don't think that most neutrals wanted, uh, but a great chance for both to maybe, just maybe get their hands on that treasured prize of the FA Cup at Wembley in May. One man who has been to 13 FA Cup ties this season, a hell of a lot more than uh, most other people, I would think, starting way back on August the 17th in the extra preliminary round, Quorn versus Holmberg Sports, big game. Um, in the preliminary round for the first qualifying round is Coventry fan Mark Lloyd, who is a member of three guys, Wembley. One Cup, an epic FA Cup quest. And Mark will be there at Bramall Lane on Sunday. And we're pleased to say he's on the phone uh, right now to explain more about this. Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show. Firstly, no tell us how on earth this whole idea came about in the uh, uh, to begin with.
5: Uh, well, you know, we just sort of sit in down the pub one day and it's one of those ideas that comes up. And you, it's one of those sort of things where I guess it just materialised rather than just most things that seem uh pipe dreams and just chat and then, you know, we thought, actually let's let's do this. It sounds quite fun, quite exciting. And then we thought, let's get a website up and keep us motivated, keep us going through the <laughs> Tuesday night replays in Lincoln <laughs> and all those sort of things we anticipated. And um yeah, I guess there's a bit of it as well. We'd all become a bit disillusioned with uh, the football clubs we supported and going to big games and especially me as being a comedy fan, I think anyone can relate to relate to what what's going on in my club at the minute. So it just seems, you know, a good idea to get the, the magic back into the FA Cup and find a bit of love for football again this season and hopefully take a few people on the journey with
3: us. I mean, it's incredible to think the, the FA Cup starts in August, really. Um, yeah. Uh, and you really have plumbed the depths <laughs> of British football right down the bottom of the pyramid. Quorn FC, and they are honestly a team I've never heard of before. I mean, is that a place, that is there, yeah, Is it yeah. a tie-in with the, uh, <laughs> the, the fake sausages? sausages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: No, it's not, actually. They don't even sponsor them, which I, I think they should. It'd Missed opportunity. opportunity. Exactly, yeah. No, it's uh, It's quite, you know, one of those little, uh, little villages around Leicestershire that's quite affluent. But the club itself has got a bit of money, actually. They've got a nice clubhouse and stuff. But yeah, so yeah, Corn is an actual place. Most people I tell tell us about I think I'm making it up as well. But yeah, just start right down in the depths of football, and we've been, you know, there's some just some really really minnow teams.
3: Holbrook Sports. We know you're an amateur side, and you've got <laughs> sports in, your, in your, you. Know. But a, f- a five-one uh, thumping victory for Corn in in the first game—a great way to start.
5: Yeah, it was a good game. That actually, we um, quite excited. A lot of goals, and from that, we built a bit of a rapport with the lads who play down at Corn because we were you know, tweeting during the game and they sort of picked up on it straight away. So um, we still talked to them quite a bit, you know, about how we're getting on and w- what could have been for corner C that they've uh, carried on winning.
2: <laughs> so you followed them into the uh, preliminary first round, uh, which yep. was away at, is it, is it Basford? Basford
5: Baseford United, yeah, we okay. went a replay. Um, we were there, We first our first replay. So could, could the three guys, one cup, cut it on a cold Tuesday night in corn? The <laughs> questions everyone was asking. But um, no, it was, it was a good game. It went all the way to extra time, penalties. Uh, the base for United keeper was bloody annoyed about that. He just audibly, to be said, uh, I just want to go home. Um, <laughs> uh, they, that, was good, that was a good game. Sounds Actually, like when, it's
1: uh, been better than some of the ICV4 FA Cup replays that have been shown. So maybe they should have televised that one.
5: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there was at uh, one point, I've seen that game, when um, someone in the clubhouse had put uh, Holby City on the TV, and that uh, visibly divided the crowd with about 30 40% going into the TV instead.
2: <laughs> okay, so uh, let's follow this through. So, uh, Basford went through on penalties in that. Uh, then they went to, uh, or they hosted Matlock Town in the first qualifying round. And uh, yeah, you followed, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matlock won that, and then you, you went to Carlton in the next round.
5: Carlton, yeah. I mean, the Matlock for game was pretty interesting as well because, we, you know, we. Matlock. I don't know how many of your listeners know your your lower league pyramids, but Matlock are a good couple of leaders from Basford United. So we thought, you know, it's, it's got to be a bit of a trouncing. But Basford turned up, you know, went at Matlock and a couple of pacey wingers and you know, you know, causing some trouble. But yeah, Matlock went on to win and then went on to Carlton, where they where they did lose actually to someone in the league below them. So,
3: so uh, at this point, I'm going to um, dispense with talking about the lower league football and focus <laughs> on your. Um, the cup cuisine, uh, which I've been enjoying <laughs> reading about on on the web, excellent website I must add as well. Um, Thanks for you've you've had uh, you've, you've really experienced some culinary delights on your on your travels this season, haven't you? What, oh, what's yeah. the, what's anything the, anything been the, the finest, the pick yeah. of the bunch?
5: It's weird that you talk about this. Actually, we were on um, Colin Murray's talk sport show last week and. This was all he wanted to talk about. It was really strange. He, <laughs> nah. kept, he was like, "So, Mark, you're doing a whole food thing around with the FA Cup," and I was like, "No, it's not just about food, Colin. It's more <laughs> than that. It's pretty annoying." But yeah, you know, when, I think the uh, Balti Pie Hillsborough has actually been really good. Just recent one, that was a that was a pretty good one. Uh, I think there was a um, pretty good Twix we had down at Matlock Town. Week, that was quite <laughs> nice. yeah, it's pretty good Twix for your
3: The worst, We're, the worst bit of food.
5: What bit of food? Oh, there was a, a game at Carlton Town where I just ordered a, ordered a, a nice big plate of chips with mayo, and I thought oh, this will go down well. Just what I need right now. And there was a big part of what I thought was salt next to the um,
1: Uh-oh.
5: next to the lady giving out the chips. So I was like, yeah, I'll just sprinkle a bit of that on. About Halfway through, I was like, this tastes a bit odd. Offered it the out to the other two of the three guys, uh, where we concluded that I'd actually put sugar on my chips instead sort of salt. <laughs>
3: Good an
2: easy mistake Terrible. to make so l- l- let's try and uh, fly through this uh, this route you uh, you went to uh, Carlton against uh, Vauxhall Motors excellent Vauxhall Motors yes They're
3: stalwart lower league yes. side proper
2: yeah. FA Cup side so Vauxhall uh, went through they played at Macclesfield got hammered 7 nil, and then yep. you ended Voxhall up rubbish, um, yeah. <laughs> then you, you ended up watching in the first round proper which is obviously where most football league sides come in Macclesfield against Swindon Carl's team here Yeah, Maccles... Swindon were pretty rubbish <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Macclesfield <laughs> yeah. upset the odds they
1: did
5: yeah I mean we saw Macclesfield play against um, Vauxhall Motors, and they blew it away. You know, they, 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 they get the ball down and play it really well on the on the on the ground. And I think when teams put them under pressure, we saw them struggle. But you know, Vauxhall definitely didn't do that, and Swindon didn't do that either. And <laughs> you know, it never, Swindon never looked like they lot there in the game, to be honest. Especially having been two leagues above them, yeah, no chance. But um, yeah, Vauxhall. When we went to that game, one of the lads had put a bet on Matlock to win six nil, and I spent the whole day tearing into him about why he'd put that on. What a waste of money it was. And then when they, when they went 7 nil up, <laughs> that's when that's when, uh, when Matlock decided to just sit at the back and just stroke it around the back four. Ha, Much to my Larry. Have
1: you put a bet on every game you've been to? Could you put a bet on Corn versus Holbrook Sports? I'm sure most betting websites would have probably had some kind of... Syndicate. On the bet three, six, five, Yeah, be on the bet 365 on the bet in play. Have you been able to... Have you bet on most of these games or is it just something that's coming in the later games?
5: Yeah, I think um, most of the games we, we managed to put a bet on. I remember going into... Um, into Labbrock's actually one of the early games. I think it might have been Carlton Matlock, and uh, putting a putting a 3 0 win on Matlock uh, to win, and got in a pretty funny look from from the Wembley. Looked it worked in Leicester Labbrock. I've never been there either myself, but, uh, but yeah I think most of the games have been down Breaking I'm, I'm news <laughs>
3: Betting on Carlton Matlock Has been suspended <laughs> to unusual betting patterns Of what one bet
2: um, Mark You've, um, you've been uh, You've been sort of Basically following Sheffield Wednesday Haven't you For quite a, a while In this competition well, you, you,
3: uh, Before you get to that, You've seen Macclesfield Five times Including the re- replay So you must have been A bit disappointed To see them go out Did you develop any Sort of affection for them
5: Oh, uh, you think that, but I wasn't <laughs> no. go to be honest. I was sick of going all the way up to Macclesfield every week. <laughs> <laughs> we did this, um we did this sort of going into it thinking, Oh, this could be awful, you know, one week we could be up in Carlisle, then down at Plymouth, all over the country, racking up miles and miles and miles or worse, we could just end up going to Macclesfield every week, who knows? Uh, so, so yeah, um, so
2: Macclesfield went out to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, in the replay at Hillsborough, and then Sheffield Wednesday won at Rochdale, and uh, then they went into the game against uh, who were they playing last week? I forgot. Charlton. Charlton, Charlton. Charlton wasn't Charlton. it? Charlton. Yeah. yeah. So you were at that game uh, last week, and um, were you secretly hoping for a Sheffield derby in the in the quarter final?
5: Oh, nothing really. Well, I was quite secretly hoping for one, yeah, because I had to get the Charlton fan away bus from London <laughs> to get to the game in time. So I left at like one one pm and just sat with Charlton fans the whole way, not really daring to mention that I wasn't a Charlton fan myself. <laughs> did
3: you, you have to sing inside? Did you, in did you go over the whole hog and sing, <laughs> chant the songs and wear a scarf?
5: Uh, I did on the way back a little bit. I got up because I had a few beers and I was sort of in the mood. And then when everyone was singing, we we're all going to Wembley. I was like, go on then, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you <laughs> on, are. Yeah.
1: I mean, you're the only like, person on that yeah. bus that can definitely say you are going
3: to Wembley. <laughs>
5: yeah, that was what I was thinking. I was like, I'm guaranteed. You, you luck, maybe not.
1: <laughs> There's this weird anomaly, of course. You've not played a Premier League team. Yeah, which He's not played. Yeah. Is,
5: seen which, a Premier League team. Which yeah.
1: is wonderful for a Football League podcast like ourselves to have you on. Are you a little bit disappointed you've not seen a major giant killing? I suppose Macclesfield destroying Swindon's probably wow. the nearest thing <laughs> to <that>. you, <laughs> you, say, you to, a, to a giant you killing. a little, bit, a little bit upset you've not job. seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Two midgets stabbing each other with blunt
3: instruments.
5: Yeah. Sleeping giant. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh,
1: but yeah, giant it's a coma. little bit of the romance of the cup. Just missing slightly. Do you want to see a big upset still?
5: Well, you know, it was all going to plan, really. We thought, you know, the steady progression up. We didn't want to get a big team really early, and then ended up seeing Man City every time, you know. But I think similarly, you don't want lower league teams all the way up. But it's been quite nice, actually. You know, I, I think um, it's not going to happen in every season. It's really rare to get to get through the whole thing. I mean, we won't even go to a Premier League ground. We'll see yeah. some Premier League <laughs> teams in the semis and the final, but we won't be to going to any Premier League grounds without counting Wembley. But um, so yeah, it's pretty rare, but it's been quite good actually. Because you know, those low league games and those low league teams is what they're. Cup's all about Absolutely. really. About yeah. anyone win it and anyone can get to the final, and that, that's what makes it like no other tournament. I think.
2: Who do you fancy to win on uh, Sunday?
5: Oh, I don't know. i can quite like to see Sheffield United. I think. Yeah, after the the ten hour bus journey that Charlton fans put me through, <laughs> um, and the, keeping the radio on and just keeping chanting until about two a.m. when I was back, till I got back to London. I think. Uh, I think I'd like to see them go out after that. I think. <laughs> uh,
6: how, <laughs> so much,
1: I how much? How much did a ticket cost to go and see Corn? By the way.
5: Uh, Quoron's first game, I think that was four pounds.
1: How much would it cost four to go pounds. to the uh, to the final? Uh
5: well it's a bit a bit of a variance, but I think it's probably gonna cost us about seventy five each. Somewhere yeah. around that.
1: Will that be a nosebleed seat or are you gonna why don't you go all out and try and get a Club Wembley seat? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, I might email the FA, actually, if you they should. can talk me out. We'll
1: start the campaign.
5: Yeah. You should be front <laughs> and
3: centre. <laughs> presenting the winner, the winners with the trophy. Yeah, exactly. Get on
5: pitch <laughs> half-time. Walk, a down by
2: by me. Yeah. walk, walk yeah. along down the line. Um, yeah. uh, before you go, Mark, uh, we should um, uh, we should uh, talk to you a little bit about Coventry. You did mention you were a little bit disillusioned there at the uh, the, <laughs> the start of the conversation. Uh, they uh, drew 0-0 with uh, Shrewsbury on Sunday, and I think they're down in uh, 13th now. I mean, at one stage, it did look like, despite the points deduction and everything that had gone with the move to Northampton they're actually going to have quite a good season and get into the playoffs uh, but it's kind of petered out a bit
5: yeah I think as a, as a commentary fan you know one character trait that never dies with you is a naive amount of optimism <laughs> where you think a good run of form is a sign of consistency and maybe a good season is on the horizon but it never really materializes really and there's always something that comes along to to bugger that right up but you know I think what I was getting at earlier is just what's gone on in the club recently which I you know, most football fans especially probably listening to this show are familiar with is that Coventry have been taken out of their ground and we've been forced to play our home games in Northampton all really sort of um, disagreements that have happened between businessmen at that board level and it's quite disgusting to see a, a, on a serious note that the club ripped out of its Community like that. So, anyone listening, go on, sign the petition, Coventry back in, the, back playing in Coventry and back at the Rico.
2: And uh, if you go to 3guys1cup.co.uk, you can follow and read about this, uh, this story that Mark has been on. Uh, the two other guys you're on with, who, who are they, by the way?
5: Uh, Steve and Josh, yeah. So, we we're all living or working together up in Leicester when we started. Um, so, yeah, we've been to every game together since then.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, enjoy Sunday, mate, and uh, maybe we'll catch up with you again uh, around the time of the final if there's a football league side still in there. Thanks for Cheers, Cheers mate Take care That is uh, uh, Mark Lloyd uh, Who is a member of Three Guys One Cup And as I said It's well worth going to that website If you can Right now it's time for My Club The part of the show Where we give football league fans 125 seconds to celebrate their side Or to celebrate The 125th anniversary Of the football league And today It is the turn of Yeovil This is We are going up My Club In 125 seconds Hello I'm Peter Bryce And my club is Yeovil
6: So Peter Do you remember your first ever visit
2: To uh, Hewish Park
6: I do, and it wasn't a great one. It was the 94 season when we went down, and we lost 2-1 at home to Macclesfield, who ended up going up. So it wasn't it wasn't the greatest start, but things sort of picked up in future years.
1: Things have certainly picked up in recent years. You're right, Peter. What's your favourite moment as a Yeovil fan?
6: Uh, as a Yeovil fan, especially living in the Midlands in Nottingham, the 2nd playoff um, oh, yeah. game against Nottingham Forest, <laughs> where we were 2-0 down and beat them 5-2 on the night um, in extra time, was just... Uh, it's one of those unforgettable nights.
3: Of all the uh, of all the promotions that you've had over the years, it, I don't know if you've been to all of them. Can you pinpoint like a fantastic moment that you had as a Yeovil fan when, from that rise from the from the conference to where you're now in, in the championship?
6: It was probably as the moment we we uh, we actually came out of non-league football. We um, it was an evening game away at Doncaster at Bellevue, and we actually clinched promotion just before the game kicked off because the results went our way. Uh, Doncaster were our main rivals and we beat them 4-0 on the night. It was just another 90-minute party, really. It was absolutely brilliant.
2: And in terms of sort of uh, Yeovil players, I know there's probably been quite a lot of cult players that have been there as you've climbed the leagues. Is there one particular player that you've always had a soft spot for? doesn't have to be the best player. It could be someone like Lloyd Doyley at Watford for, for Davies. There, is there one man who all the Yeovil fans love?
6: Uh, it has to be Terry Skiverton, really. He's, just, just, he's been one of those players that was just... He was with us from non-league all the way to... Uh, all the way to League One, and he's still there on the bench now every week alongside uh, Darren Way as well. Maybe not technically the best, but just they played the best because they put their, you know, put their heart and soul into it every week.
1: Peter, the question that everyone's asking really is, what do you make of the Football League's first ever girl group, Viva Pitch? Are <laughs> you a big fan of their work?
6: Uh, I've seen some of their work. Um, I'm not sure how well it went down with the Leeds fans when they made their debut on the pitch. Do
2: they do covers or have they got their own tracks?
6: Uh, oh, they write all bad.
0: their own stuff
6: I'm sure yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a bit of a dance number um, but it's all in aid of a good cause
2: Peter your two minutes is up thank you very much thank you My Club in 125 seconds we are going up we've got the football league covered there will be yet another edition of My Club next week and there needs to be quite a lot of editions to cover the 40 clubs uh, we still need to complete the set to complete the 72 uh, before the end of the season if you support one of the sides we haven't covered please can you get in we are going up.co.uk contact or tweet us at waggy podcast these are the clubs which we haven't done okay so we need fans of accrington barnsley birmingham blackpool bolton brighton bristol rovers burton albion berry carlisle what would have been better is if you'd done it each
3: of those ones in the correct regional accent please, <laughs>
2: place they were from carlisle you
3: pick it up from there uh, cheltenham coventry crawley crew dagenham and redbridge derby doncaster
1: exeter fleetwood gillingham It goes on. (laughs) Hartlepool, Huddersfield, Leeds, Mansfield, Middlesbrough, Millwall, MK Dons, Newport, Northampton, Nottingham Forest, Notts County, Plymouth, Port Vale, Preston, Rochdale, Sheffield Wednesday,
3: Swindon, Walsall, Wigan and...
2: York City so that is uh, the list of 40 clubs we still need so please do get in touch if you're a fan of those clubs it's literally a two three minute thing you come on tell us about your club and then it's done and you'll be on the show before the end of the season at Wagyu Podcast on Twitter or go to wearegoingup.co.uk slash contact let's kick off our weekend review at the top of the championship then there is going to be at least one big promotion party in the East Midlands in May you would think because after 10 years away Leicester City are surely going to be a Premier League side soon Uh, their incredible run continues in the league 11 wins in the last four 14 games. They beat Charlton 3-0 on Saturday. They are 13 points clear of third spot. They've got the best home record. They've scored 62 goals this season. They're on fire. Are you um, impressed in particular about the way he's juggled his forward options at Leicester? Because he's got a lot of players there to try and keep happy. Nugent, Vardy, Phillips, Dyer, Chris Wood and so on.
3: Yeah, well, the main two, though, are, are um, Nugent and Vardy. They're the ones who are grabbing the headlines. They're the ones who are scoring all the goals. Vardy, we've talked about, you know, fantastic improvement this season and and Pearson's been talking about, it, you know, he thinks, still thinks he's got a lot more to come from, from Vardy as he potentially mm-hmm. becomes a Premier League player next season. Nugent, not just his goals, his all-round game I think has been excellent every time I've seen him this season. But then, you know, bringing in Phillips was a, a great little bit of business for them. Comes off the bench. Even if he doesn't score goals, he's 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 involved in the play. He's got a few assists uh, and a real key, experienced head. He knows exactly what it's like to be He's been promoted from this division a number of times, so he'll be a really good influence in the dressing room. And credit, and there's, credit no, there's no bad things to say about Leicester at the moment. And credit to the owners for sticking with the manager as and well. Very much so, because we all thought that Pearson would get the you know get the boot in the summer when he failed to get them up in the playoffs, and um, we were all surprised when he stayed. And he's been a you know a model of stability, really, which is something you are not been used to at Leicester City for the last few years.
2: <laughs> Below Leicester, then, uh, this is where the real action took place at the weekend. Uh, Burnley 2, Derby 0, QPR 1, Leeds 1. Um, and those results make it very much advantage. Burnley, 13 games to yeah. go. They've got five-point cushion. Carl, albeit helped by that red card to Chris Martin. I think the first mm. was, was for persistent fouling. Yeah. And the second was for, uh, for a dive. Slipping
1: over. I mean, Steve Kerr did raise it. The more you look at it, you think, oh, "Was he tripped he by Trippier?" It. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, Chris Martin is one of those players that does get on a lot of people's nerves, shall we say? So uh, the infringement. Like confusing him with the Coldplay
3: frontman. Kind of <laughs> um, I, I think it was. I think it was harsh. I do think it was harsh. I don't think any of the fouls were. Yeah, the, one, that, the once, one I think Steve Clarence got absolutely spot on on, this, on, on the football league The one show.
2: that I di- directly before the first yellow I didn't yeah, think Yeah but it was, was, if, it was,
3: if it's persistent fouling I, don't, I didn't think it was a foul I Exactly I don't think they're all really bad fouls no. um, It's a big call to send him off as and, well because yeah. the ball
2: went in the back of the net as well it, it would have been 1-0 Absolutely
3: it would completely changed the game uh, and if you do look at the way his foot falls whether he's deliberately planted his foot that way or not there's absolutely no way of telling but the evidence does suggest that he did you know land awkwardly on his ankle and go down and i even think there may have been a slight bit of contact um so you know it, it wasn't anything like some of the terrible dives we've seen this season from from other players so i think he's been very harshly treated what a goal in that game from david jones as oh, well fantastic the, the cushion left foot volley he scored one of those for for wolves i think a few years ago but where this was where someone else flicked it up from a just knocked it to him rolled it from a free kick about a yard and then he flicked it up like that and volleyed it in mm. went in off the bar so it's sort of something he's got on his locker with this time sort of in open play but a similar sort of situation a lovely little pass from, from Ings actually and really good play from Kiteley as well to not give up on the ball when it looked like um, Wisdom was going to get it Wisdom stumbled over you know it was a classic example of playing to the whistle you know play had sort of stopped but the referee hadn't blown up and Kightley was straight up on the ball like a whippet and uh, put the ball into Ings so a fantastic you know a fantastic finish but a good bit of team play
2: Well uh, they've got a big derby game coming up on Sunday they go to Blackburn uh, Burnley uh, they'll probably win there if the Blackburn play like they did in the <laughs> derby game they just had at the weekend but anyway more on that in a bit uh, Derby are playing uh, Millwall uh, QPR go to Birmingham and if QPR can't win at Birmingham where pretty much everyone else has won. This season, then they will be in uh, big trouble. I thought they played better against Leeds, Carl, but still didn't get the three points.
1: Yeah, but Leeds were a better team, I thought, actually. I mean, obviously, McCormack's missed penalty. Connor Wickham had plenty of chances, and if he'd played more football this season, perhaps would have scored one or two of them. Uh, there, there was also the, the excellent moment, of course, with the disallowed uh, goal in the last minute of a game. in Hill. He never um, scored a goal at that before, finish. <laughs> <you? Yeah. laughs> no, of a football PA system. Playing the music at the grounds, oh, of yeah, which and it went on for several seconds. Played oh, resumes no. again, and it was, fans were all celebrating. Played resumes. It was just one of those. Oh, it's just a very embarrassing moment. I mean, with Charlie Austin out, it's going to be the playoffs, I think, the, isn't it? Yeah. Is, the
3: thing is, Charlie Austin's only scored fourteen. I mean, you know, it's not a bad but, total, but it's not like he scored twenty-five or thirty. True. So it just shows you how much overall they have struggles. The next, the next one down is is Matt Phillips with three. I think I mean, it's
1: the over-reliance on their de- you know, excellent defensive record, which has yeah. you know, started faltering.
3: Knapp's and... still saying. I'm, I'm still the still man still
1: to go up and still knows I'm
3: the right man and I think <laughs> at this stage of the season you would be, be folly to change manager but, but I think promotion, goals you can't see it at this stage can you um, very
2: difficult in, in terms of the playoffs so the team that are in sort of the most I mean if, you, if keeper are in the least amount of form and have got the least momentum Wigan have definitely got the most momentum mm-hmm. 4-1 win at the City ground oh. on Saturday uh, Uwe Rosler has won nine of his 14 games in charge and uh, I was looking at actually all the clubs he's managed uh, Lillstrom, Viking, Mulder, Brentford, and Wigan. And he's got a very good record, at all of them. Absolutely. And it did just seem one of those appointments. He thought, that's going to work. I don't know
3: if it's because it was a foreign manager and Martinez worked there. He just thought it was a good move mm-hmm. uh, to switch. And uh, it's paying dividends. Yeah, well, I think he, su- he suited the Wigan squad and the Wigan mentality of recent years far better than Owen Coyle did. They obviously, did And they made the change swiftly. Which I think was a good bit of you know decision making from from Dave Whelan. Few people raised their eyebrows when it happened, perhaps, but he recognised it. He made a mistake. Well, didn't
2: we say on the on the fit and proper sackings test special that that was one which
3: didn't pass the fit and proper sackings test? But it's proved out to be the right decision. Maybe maybe wouldn't be the first time we, we didn't <laughs> look silly, would it? But um, yeah, it turns out to be a great decision. And Rosler's really got something going there. And
1: Gomez had an excellent game at the weekend.
3: Waghorn as well on
2: loan there. He, he was very involved with uh, with all the goals. It's a
1: very good squad they've got there, really, throughout the team. And, and Rosler's admitted that they are hunting for easily a playoff position now I mean it's unlikely they will get an automatic spot but to consider they should be you know, knocking someone like Forrest out of a playoffs as well Billy Davis admits his team are kind of hanging on for dear well, life at the moment the number of injuries they've, they've
2: got They've got Andy Reid out for six weeks for hernia Jack Hobbs out for the rest of the season which has got to be a bloke because he's been a very good player for them
3: Yeah well Reid as well in particular who, who's every time I've seen I've seen Forrest a few times on TV and I've seen them live once as well this season and Reid was the standout player from, from them each time I've seen them you know, model of consistency, and and Hobbs is. You know, we we've seen every time Jim's been on the on the mm, show, he, he's lyrical about how good Jack Hobbs is. Well, he was a much sought after player, in the chance window Forrest did very well to secure his signature permanently. Um, so yeah, big blow for them. They've got a few more injuries as well. They, I mean, before the the loss last weekend, uh, they had a fourteen game mm. unbeaten run, I think. So. You know the wheels are, have only just fallen off, and if they can recover, they're still in a decent position. But you know, cause for concern.
2: Comical scenes at the Modayski on uh, Saturday. Uh, Reading are now out of the playoffs after only drawing one-all against eight men, uh, three red cards, a missed penalty, and a ridiculous own goal. But um, I know they only went down to eight men in the last minute. But you kind of do need to be beating eight men if you uh, <laughs> you want to oh, go. Yeah. Up.
1: I had a uh, mate uh, who wrote on Facebook that this game cost him an eight-game accumulator. He had Reading to win. Obviously, when you can't beat eight men, sickening. Yeah, that no, the really thing is, is like sick you say, they went down to eight men late on, but for a large chunk of the game, it was
3: ten men. Which should be enough when you're at home, really. Sometimes it does make it more difficult. Sometimes teams, you know, they'll fold back and they'll they'll sit back and they'll make it very difficult for you to create chances. But you think, given you know the length of time when they had the advantage, given the disparity between the two squads. You'd think Reading should have, you know, would have done enough mm. to win the game, and they didn't. They'll be really disappointed with that because, just like you say, we can now move up into that sixth spot, and that's a bit of a blow for them mentally.
2: Good wins for uh, Ipswich and Brighton by a goal to nil. They're keeping the pressure up. Let's have a look at the situation down the bottom. No real change in the bottom six. I think Yeovil, the only side actually to get a point in the bottom six at the weekend. Uh, but three of the sides down there Barnsley, Doncaster, and Blackpool got an absolute shellacking, as I'm going to call it. They lost 14 0. They lost 14-0 uh, collectively on Saturday. Uh, well played Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Watford. But big problems at those uh, clubs for Danny Wilson, Paul Dickoff and Barry Ferguson. And I suppose Barry Ferguson's got the most to be concerned about because that's 16 games without a win now. Yeah, he's not the permanent boss. Is he? No, no, but um, but um, they don't seem I mean, to be a point one. He's, no, he's questioning. Um, Whether he's the right man, isn't he? Apparently he came yeah.
3: out to the press afterwards and sort of said, uh, you know, I've got to ask myself, am I up to it? Absolutely, and I know they have spoken to um, to other people, including Neil Warnock. Um, of course, was a, was approached was yeah. a, a earlier in the season, but didn't fancy it. But he has come out, Barry Ferguson, got after, nice beach. after the game. Enjoy it all <laughs> yeah, there. there. I'm not quite sure. the same, uh, <laughs> same as Devon uh, or Cornwall, wherever he lives. But... Um, but Ferguson has questioned his own ability, whether he's good enough to do the job. Can I motivate the players? I'm not so sure, he said after the game. So, you know, if he's not confident, got confidence in himself, then that isn't, you know, writing's on the wall, I'd say, really, for his uh, burgeoning manage, managerial career. But the players don't look interested, do they? 16 games without a win... They're plummeting. You know, it's only that excellent start they had in the first month that's keeping them out of trouble. But if they keep going, um, they'll be
1: in the relegation zone rea- for long. Rarely, when a team plummets like this, they don't get out of it. You know, they do just get sucked in. it. So there are still teams below them, and what is it, eight points to no charter? So have still got a couple of games in hand. Oh, but you know, it's Three unlikely they hand. would. It's unlikely they'd win all of those.
2: Um, other uh, sort of hammering that we haven't talked about was uh, Blackburn. Didn't see that one coming. Losing four 0 at Bolton, uh, their biggest derby win in eighty six years. Bolton have got a couple of wins at a very good time of the season. They played crap for uh, however many months we've had, and then they've pulled out a couple of wins to move Which them clear.
3: Is basically, what they did last season. <laughs> yeah. last oh well, I mean, I think you're giving them a bit too much credit, really, that they have saying that because uh, last season, remember, they were right on the cusp of the playoffs, and this season is a amazing. They, they did scroll. recover from a bad start, but they recovered spectacularly and motored up the division. This season, they had a poor start, a poor. Middle when they're having you know slightly above average finishes, things stand. So this season has been a you know a real disappointment and it has to be viewed as a failure by Friedman.
1: And I do see as well what's happened uh, this Monday evening as we record. This Stuart Holden uh, has played uh, in, yeah. the, in the 21s God. game and uh, was taken off injured off twenty minutes. And,
3: uh, uh,
2: Middlesbrough went another game without a goal. They technically Seven in a technically out. did have a goal, but the linesman didn't see. How oh, he missed that, I have no idea.
3: And, um, but you know you know what they've done. Interestingly, I saw this earlier on. Craig Hignett has now mm. been appointed as assistant manager to told Karanga. Club legend. Club legend. That might help him out a bit. I mean, they've not been battered, have they? They've had a few <laughs> m- narrow defeats, um, but they just silly. You know, so defensively the maybe they've they've tightened up a little bit, but they just cannot simply cannot score. Um, to save their lives, uh, and that's a real concern because I mean they, you know, they they have got a few strikers there, and well, they did lose Emner's and Djokovic in the in the Danny Graham doesn't like look like
2: he can buy a goal at the moment. Uh, okay. um, Carson Young as well has been found guilty in Hong Kong and money laundering. We talked about Birmingham a few weeks ago. Not quite sure what that will mean just yet. Well, he
3: could if uh, the sentencing. Um, it's on Friday, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Friday. He could be sentenced to 14 years in prison but um, Birmingham have said that it won't affect us because we've already as, as we, of that we move danced, a few weeks, we've it? already kind of moved in anticipation okay. of this to separate ourselves you know, from him so I uh, don't think it will have a, that much of an impact really on, on Birmingham City's day-to-day running uh, Inter League 1 then uh, wins again for the top
2: two of the weekend Leighton Orient beat Colchester 2-1 Wolves though top on goal difference now they beat Port Vale 3-0 uh, seven wins in a row five clean sheets in a row so credit to that uh, defence Carla Kamey Scott Goldburn, Danny Bart Sam Ricketts Richard Stearman um, and Wolves very much looking like the real deal at the moment.
3: Yeah, it's uh, good you mentioned the defence. Danny Bart and Richard Steem. And I was reading the Football League paper this weekend, and Danny Bart was in there talking about how much um, he's enjoying playing alongside Steem and how much their partnership has come on. Bart's a um, very promising player who had a good loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday when yeah. they were in League One when they got promoted. Needs to sort out the spelling of his name though. Well, he's on Twitter. He does. He does very much state. He, he does give you guidance. Oh, as to does how he? To, as okay. I don't follow um, him, unfortunately. Um, it's pronounced his name I, which is help for me because I yeah. was when he was at Sheffield I kept calling him Bath um, but yeah fantastic young player really promising for them and, and they've come good at a right time haven't they but Brentford after that massive mm. run well, I t- they lost I, and now they've drawn nil the nil. Carlisle look
2: how competitive it is at the top there because uh, um, Orient were unbeaten in 11 they lost one game they dropped out of the top two Brentford have gone 19 games unbeaten they've not won in two games and they're out of the top two and if you look below them uh, Preston 12 games without defeat and you've got Rotherham I think 9 games without defeat won 6-0 against Notts County they all just keep on winning
1: Brentford with the inexperienced managers perhaps something I that might be a concern when you've got people like Simon Grayson and and Kenny Jackets that can steer them through what is going to be a very nervous time for the players so perhaps I mean let's be honest I think probably the top well certainly the top five will now be guaranteed to be there come you know, 46 mm. yeah. games but it's just I, a I, shuffle I, it's, of it's where it's not a bad
3: point that you make you, you know, there are some really experienced managers in that top six you know Mark Warburton is the odd one out there as far as that's concerned that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing um, he's done very well and he's very highly thought of You know, within the game in terms of his coaching experience um, he, was, he was working in the city about 14 or so <laughs> years ago I believe he took you know, took, this, took the decision to, to leave a very highly paid job in the city to become a football coach and has you know, paid dividends but they have got two games in hand crucially on Leighton Orient, who are above them and they're only three points behind them. So if they, you know, they get some points out of that, they'll be back in the top two.
2: Peterborough lost one nil at Crawley on Saturday, but they're still pretty comfortable in that final playoff spot. Sheffield United into the top half. Unbelievable turnaround, seven wins in a row in all competitions, going into that quarter final at uh, the weekend. Uh, down at the bottom though, uh, Stevenage and Bristol City, the big winners. Uh, Bristol City beat Gillingham two one. Uh, As Stevenage came back from two one down to win at Bradford, and two goals, two brilliant goals from Luke Freeman, who's a player you've sung the praises of
3: many times. Yeah, I haven't heard too much from him this season, obviously. <coughs> Stevenage being right down at the bottom of the league. I don't know whether he's been uh, struggling in a poor team or whether he's been dragged down with it and not been too good himself. But he certainly does have a lot of talent. And a few times I've seen him, I've watched Stevenage a couple of times live over the last few years. Got a friend of mine who's a, who's a Stevenage fan, and you can tell that he's you know come through at a higher level. He did play for Arsenal as a youngster, and he does have that touch of class about him. Or, or, you know when he has his day.
2: Notts County bottom, and uh, now uh, they've shipped 22 goals in their last six games. Uh, six defeats yeah. in that run. Lost six nil on Saturday. A couple of dreadful goals they gave away as well. And I heard an interview uh, I think with uh, Radio Nottingham uh, that um, Sean Derry did afterwards, and he was adamant we are going to get out of this. We're going to we're going to get out of this, um,
1: but it doesn't look like that way at the moment, does know. it? <laughs> I mean, it looks like the teams are down there almost to stay now. The team that obviously pulled away was Sheffield United, and look where they are now. So it really... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's idiotic to suggest which teams will go down because it's still very tight, but mm. you really expect any of these teams to come on a run. We thought Notts County would it's have gone... Go to go to the wire, Seven it, or think? eight games ago, and now they've sunk back. And, and yeah, it's the they're, game, isn't it, as well? Term. The
3: uneven games. Cruzbury yeah. and Stevenage have played two games less than Notts County and Crew and Bristol City. Colchester have only played 31 games up in 19 points so that once those games are played out depending on which way they go then you get a truer picture of what's going to happen but it's worrying for Notts County fans because there was a little bit of a resurgence wasn't there after the first few weeks when uh, Sean Derry came in but it's disappeared now I don't know whether that you know is it to do with the managers or has he just got nothing to work with you know it was obviously a tough job going in there and it's a very it was a big risk taking taking Sean Derry on I know he has got Greg Abbott with him there alongside him but um, it's not worked
1: out that well so far and of course if Crawley do win all their games that are left in hand they'll uh, go up to seventh at the moment as it stands <laughs> their first home game in two months apparently
2: yeah. mm, that it's win nice. over Peterborough well unless there's a goal in the next ten seconds uh, Chesterfield uh, going to draw nil-nil with Portsmouth on Monday night as we record uh, the game's just about to end uh, so they uh, stay top Just below- result for Pompey yeah just below them Scumthorpe, a second uh, they kept up their unbeaten run but they were held 2-0 well at Newport Rochdale flying 3-0 win over Oxford at spot Scotland, uh, a hat-trick from Scott Hogan, he's got two hat-tricks in a few weeks now, big win. 16 goals this season and Oxford's had one of the best away records in the Football League, very big win. And on Friday, El Clasico at Gig Lane, Bury versus Rochdale, Sky Sports 2 at 7.30, Hill against Flitcroft
3: and you said there's quite a good thing in the Football yeah, League paper about the Football about paper it. there's a nice little piece on the pair of them talking about their relationship and they worked together for many years at Rochdale previously before Flitcroft. Um, took over at Barnsley after um, after Hill was sacked, and it, just talking a little bit about their sort of personal relationship away from football as well. They they, they talk about each other like their brothers really, um, <laughs> so it's quite interesting. And and, and Hill actually says. Quite an interesting. Line was that he'd happily work under Flickcroft in the future as an assistant. Interesting. At some point. So interesting. Wonder if that ever happens. Well, uh, but not at the moment because they're both flying. Yes. Well, we lost at the weekend, but yes.
2: <laughs> looking forward to Friday anyway. We'll see how it goes. Um, two goals from Billy Key Burton beat Accrington 2-1. They're in fourth now. Fleetwood having a bit of a wobble below them. Three games without a goal, just one point from nine. And as I mentioned earlier, Southend nine games without a win, pretty much since we had Chris Phillips All on this show. Yeah. Yep. Uh, down at the bottom, um, Northampton. Although they didn't win on Saturday, they're looking. Good under Chris Wilder, uh, they've won a, f- a couple of games at home. They've gone on a little uh, unbeaten run. Torquay, the team, though you're worrying about now, they're getting uh, a drift at the bottom. There, they lost again at the weekend, three lot at Hartlepool, seven points from safety. Uh, Jim Proudfoot, when we had him on the show earlier in the season, wasn't too confident of them staying up. They've changed the manager, and uh, not much has changed, unfortunately. No, so,
3: seven points a drift at this stage of the season. Not good. Minus 20 goal difference as well, which is almost an extra point. When you look at Ayrton minus 8, Wickham minus 4. Wickham had you know, that terrible run, didn't they? But uh, there's still uh, a reasonable enough cushion for them to not lose too much sleep. And it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't even look that good for Northampton, really, even though you said they've been on a good little run. I suppose another win and they're, and they're right up there
1: but um, you know, you'd know you be worried wouldn't you? You have to think about uh, I've mentioned it already about momentum is a point in the season Northampton do pick up a couple and it's a big if because they've been yeah, no, pretty after yeah, the it's only four points I think they've got obviously you've got much more of a chance You look at the huge group above them of teams on 39 they one 38 and 37 but one that you know, perhaps you do want to just pay attention to is Morecambe on 40 who haven't won in God knows how long and are going to start sinking like a stone. It happens with teams in this division. Teams do drop. Now, you haven't got the you know, the money to go out and splash out on players or you know, bring in loan players and what have you. People don't want to go there. And so, I mean, oh, they the are... The pies, though, they want to go there. They've got the best pies I mean, in the country. They are saddened 15th. And, hey, one victory will no doubt mean, uh, you know, my you know, musings <laughs> here are completely worthless. But it's just <laughs> worth considering.
2: Uh, FA Cup quarterfinals then at the weekend. Uh, quick predictions. Sheffield United against Charlton and Manchester City against Wigan.
3: I think Wigan. Wigan. Will, I don't think they'll be. We'll see a repeat of last season's heroics at yeah. Wembley. I think. I think Man City will overcome. Wigan I don't think it'll be an easy game, but um, Charlton Sheffield United. I think I'm going to back Sheffield United again. I think okay. in this one. Yeah, cup. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Sheffield United. I think I mean, they've got less to lose, haven't they? I think that their their season's, you know, just in running to a mid-table finish in in League One. The cup is is right there for them. They're on a fantastic run of form. Charlton really you know they've enjoyed the cup run and it's probably have given them a bit of a new lease of life but they really need to get back to that that league and win those three games in hand that they've got uh, and focus on staying in the championship and I, I think perhaps that might be on the mind of the players I might be wrong but she I think Sheffield
1: she she United being at home I think will probably help as well they have a full house there as well yeah. the Lane. they won't be playing on that terrible pitch down at the I valley did,
3: I did love the scenes though in the, in the game against Sheffield Wednesday when Charlton won Um, at the end Chris Chris Powell Powell ran over to the crossbar and just pulled himself up you could see how much it meant to him Uh, and there has still been little murmurings that as a result of the takeover that he could potentially lose his job in the summer I think he's out of contract along with a number of players in the summer and I'd be desperately disappointed for him if that was the case because I think he's a good man and he you know, he clearly loves the club Right, that is pretty much it uh, Thank you very much for listening to get in touch on Twitter It
2: is at Waggy Podcast The Sanclo page is sanclo.com slash Waggy Podcast and the blogs and the website are wearegoingup.co.uk and if you'd like to download a free audiobook of your choosing all thanks to Audible you've got 100000 to uh, pick from uh, plenty of uh, really good sports stuff on there, all you need to do is go to audible.co.uk slash going up and take advantage of the offer there. Right, that is pretty much it. Thank you, DC. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having and me. And we need to uh we need to make it our ambition to go and see Corn FC, don't <laughs> we, at some point this season.
1: <laughs> or what was the team they beat in the extra pl- it's hard to say preliminary, isn't it? Very hard. Who, that's, who
3: the that preliminary
2: team? round for the preliminary round. There yeah. you go.
1: What would be the I'm
3: trying to think I'm trying to come up with the equivalent, the like non-vegetarian equivalent of corn (laughs) in terms of foot walls, wall saw, wall's end. Get in touch with any suggestions.
2: (laughs) I think we'll knock it on the head there. Uh, We'll speak to you in seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered.
0: Hold up.